Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm from Chicago, but I'm in Denver. Boy, and I love being here. And I'm a recovered compulsible reader. Today is Thursday, October 8th, 2020. Today we're reading from the big book. We're currently on page 10 in Bill's story. We're reading uh, the third paragraph. It begins, I had always believed. We're just going to comment on the one paragraph. Today's readers, we have Sarah M. on the 12 Steps, Christina O. on the 12 Traditions, and the readers of the text are Anita J., Cindy C., and Diane B. And uh, our newcomer greeter following this meeting is Elena A.M. And the host uh, for the second hour is Jen A. Let me give you the share ID for yesterday, Wednesday, October 7th, uh, the 7 a.m. meeting. That number is 15,000. 498, that's 15498, and the 10 a.m. meeting, 15,499, that's 15499. The OA Pre-Ramble, um, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. <clears throat> we welcome everyone who wants to stop eating uh, compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. <clears throat> Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose. And that purpose is to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So let me uh, ask uh, Sarah M. If uh, Sarah, would you be good enough to read the 12 steps this morning? Sure. Hi, Sarah M. from Boston, reading the 12 steps here. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. <clears throat> Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for letting me share. Uh, thanks, Sarah. Uh, appreciate that. 
Let me now ask Christina O to read the 12 traditions. Christina, it's your turn. This is Christina O in uh, Maynard, Massachusetts. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinions on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me serve. Thanks so much, Christina. Okay, here's how this meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year. For readers, it's six months, and there's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. And, of course, we're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. If you want to share... Press star one to unmute your phone. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then of course, press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. And today we're, we're back in the big book. Uh, we are uh, in Bill's story on page 10. We're on the third paragraph. <clears throat> it begins, I had always believed. And then we're gonna comment on just the one paragraph only. So now I'll pass it over to Anita J to get us started. Good morning, Anita. All right. Thank you, Larry, so much. This is Anita J out in Massachusetts, uh, recovered through the grace of God. 
I had always believed in a power greater than myself. I had often pondered these things. I was not an atheist. Few people really are. For that means blind faith in the strange proposition that this universe originally uh, originated in a cipher and aimlessly rushes nowhere. My intellectual heroes, the chemists, the astronomers, even the evolutionists, suggested vast laws and forces at work. Despite contrary indications, I had little doubt that a mighty purpose and rhythm under, underlay all. How could there be so much of precise and immutable law and no intelligence? I simply had to believe in the spirit of the universe who knew neither time nor limitation. But that was as far as I had gone. All right, let me press this. I, um, I agree with the first sentence. This is my experience, too. I had always believed in a power greater than myself. Well, I don't know if I believed it was greater than me. Because words and actions, I can say I believed in a power greater than myself. I think I, but my behavior showed I only believed in a power. But I don't know if I thought how much greater it was than I was. Um, I was not an atheist. I wasn't. But um, people, uh, people were... Um, People of this intellectual bent, the science scientists, did not grab me. It was the philosophers. Um, it was Carl Jung, uh, Freud. You know, I switched to psych. I was a theater. Switched to psych, figuring out what people. Um, trying to make. A, I'm trying to think, and if I could understand them, then maybe I can understand me. Maybe I could control them. So these were the kinds of things that I um, spent my mornings and evenings and thinking like that. And I bought books that I couldn't understand. You know, Thomas Merton, I couldn't believe it. I bought, I, I had the Seven Story Mountain. That was his, I think, his definitive book. And, um, but I didn't understand it. I just like the feel of thinking I'm close, I'm close to something, and I. So, so I wasn't getting anywhere with something that would work for me. I never heard that. I never heard it in my church, and um, most of my church was in a, a, a foreign language anyway. So, it's like wanting to grab it, but it was elusive. I couldn't find it, and I've always been that way. Um, I had to make sense, and that was the one last thing I wanted to say, is that my personal world was so chaotic. I had to believe in some kind of a stability in the world. It couldn't be as bad as my family, the whole bloody world, chaotic, until I wanted to believe. I really did. I just didn't get the answer. But... I know that I finally did, and this book will also help. Believe me, it will. And with that, I pass. 
Uh, thanks for getting us started, Anita. So if you just joined us, we're on page 10, the third paragraph uh, that began, I had always believed. Um, if you haven't shared in the past couple of days and you want to get on the dance floor, don't be shy. Um, give me your first name and last initial, and we'll we'll get moving here. Lauren A. Lauren A. Janet Reva. Beth W. Nancy L. from Georgia. Nancy. Anybody else? Rick J. Hey, Rick. Who did I miss? Okay. Tell you who I heard. I heard uh, Lauren, Stacy, Janet, Reva, Beth, Nancy, and Rick. Who did I miss? Anybody? Compulsive. My name's Chuck, and I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'm uh, coming back. Okay, Chuck, did you want to share, or were you just, uh, you want to share on what we read? I'd, I'd like to, uh, I'd like, I'd like to listen today. Thank you. Okay, yeah, well, I'm so glad you're here, Chuck. That's awesome. Okay, here's our lineup. We got Lauren, Stacy, Janet, I see Reba, I see Beth, Nancy, and Rick. Lauren, why don't you get us started? Good morning. Lauren, press star one. Okay, now I've joined the club of people that are talking away to nobody. <laughs> Good Hi. morning. Thanks, Larry, and thanks, Anita, for getting us started. That was great. Um, so I came to AA, atheist or agnostic, I'm not sure which, and I got recovery, and I got faith. And then I came to OA not much longer not much long after that, and I i don't know what I did. I i tried to do it myself. I did not get recovery, and I wasn't i wasn't trusting God. I, I believed in God, but I wasn't trusting him to handle um, my recovery, and that didn't work very well. So I struggled with that for about 30 years, um, trying trying to manage um, manage the food, manage my weight, and and it was a big mess. So um, I finally, I finally gave it up. I finally surrendered to God, and that's that's where I got the recovery. And in in my opinion, um, recovery comes from really doing that first step, or I'm sorry, third step. And um, I'm going to read out of the OA 12 and 12. Once we, it's the last last paragraph of step three, top of the paragraph. Once we compulsive eaters truly take the third step, we cannot fail to recover. And I've said this before, but I think if you have failed to recover, it's because you haven't truly taken the third step. I know that was true with me, and I've and I've talked to other people about it. So um, the faith bit is a little. It's it's easier to just have faith than to really trust that God can ha- can handle it and hand it over. Um, on the middle of page 11, there's this there's the sentence, God had done for him what he could not do for himself. And that's repeated a few times in the big book. God can do it, we can't. And the other phrase that I like to think about um, being repeated is no human power. I had a sponsor in the past that that would bring up that phrase, no human power. And, you know, as much as I try, I just can't do it. It's not working. Give it up walk away and just give it to God. 
and that's what I needed to do, and I think um, that's that's the key. That's all I have. I'll pass. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much, Lauren. And um, I'll just I'll let you know. You know, if you when you come on the line, just give give the uh, last initial if you would, in case someone wants to stalk you or find you, so forth. So Stacy, followed by Janet. Hey, Stacy. Good morning. Good morning. This is Stacy H. I'm calling from Virginia. And I'm grateful you heard me today. Um, so I really related to this paragraph. I felt like this is exactly where I was when I walked into my first OA meeting. Um, had this belief in the big God um, in the universe, in the sky, um, but had no concept of a personal God working in my life. And when I first started in OA close to 30 years ago, you know, I think I would wake up every day and, you know, or even before I got to OA, you know, ask God for all these things that I wanted. And that didn't seem to work too well. And so I still believed in the big God in the sky, but I not, you know, I didn't really believe I could have a personal relationship with a higher power. And it has only been, um, you know, through working the steps and um, following the big book and following the instructions that I have, you know, seen with my own eyes, you know, seen the difference on a day where I take a quiet time and a day that I forget to take a quiet time and how, and how that works, you know, seen in the middle of a day where things could be really crazy and I pause and I, and I pull it back um, to my higher power and how miraculously, you know, the energy changes and, you know, and the focus changes and um, everything just falls into place. And, you know, I have just seen this power um, of having this personal relationship with a higher power. And I have also seen my own transformation where I, you know, now solely ask God for God's will, you know, not even, you know, taking into account what I want, but asking God, you know, what is God's will? So, um, that's what I've got. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, uh, Stacy. Appreciate it. Next up is Janet followed by Reva. Good morning, Janet. Hi, good morning, Larry. This is Janet B recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia in New Jersey. So I am looking on that line where it says, I simply had to believe in a spirit of the universe who knew neither time nor limitation. What a beautiful line, like a God who is unlimited outside of time. And if he has no limitation, that means he has power. Well, I'm thinking, why is that so important? And I was remembering my first years in OA when I went in and I said, okay, guys, I admit it. I'm powerless. My life is unmanageable. I'm beat. I can't stop binging. And people said the equivalent of, great, now that you know you're powerless, Here's a food plan, stick to it. Well, I couldn't do it. And of course I couldn't. Just like if I went to the doctor and he said, here's your scan that proves you have cancer, now make your cancer cells stop multiplying. Of course I wouldn't be able to. Um, so admission of powerlessness wasn't enough. Even if I had a list of all my binge foods, wasn't enough. Just like if a cancer patient knew exactly where their tumor was. So what is the solution? And I went through the big book because it tells me that lack of power is my problem. Where do I start getting power? And that term spirit of the universe shows up again 
on page 46, and it says, as soon as we admit the possible existence of a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we begin to be possessed of power and direction. That's what I needed, power over the food and direction as to what I needed to do with myself. And then it says, provided we took other simple steps. So it was really important for me to learn that power does not start with the first step, with admitting that I can't do it. All that does is get me willing to search for the spirit of this universe, to search for this God who has unlimited power that I don't need. And this book tells me that God's going to restore me to sanity. So that tells me this God has power, but this God is also madly in love with me. If he's going to take time out from running the world to restore me to sanity, there's a God I can get behind and trust. And with that, I pass. Uh, thanks, Janet. Okay, next up is Reva, followed by Beth. Good morning, Reva. Good morning, Larry. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. So what struck me the most was the first sentence and the last sentence of this paragraph. And for me, this is reminding me of the movement from step one to step two. So Bill is recognizing he's powerless. He's tried multiple times, and he figures he's either going to die or get sent to an asylum um, and, and then he sees Ebby. Um, and for me, somebody once summarized, you know, step one is I'm doomed. Step two is maybe not. So um, the other part that struck me is he believed in a power and he's got all these ideas here, but his belief was an intellectual abstract belief. He believed, yeah, there's a God somewhere and he does all these things with astronomy and whatever, but it didn't come down to him personally. And that was me. I knew there was a God. Um, I had done Bible study and all of that, but a God personal to me who would help me and provide power. Um, And I really prefer the word higher power over God because in the beginning, I just that didn't sit well with me. I needed power. I knew from my experience that I had no power to lick this thing. How was I going to get power? And I guess by taking step three and making the decision to do the work and then the step work after that, I remove the blocks to access power. But I don't get power till step 11. Um, and the process of doing the steps takes God from this intellectual abstract concept and brings it down to apply into my day-to-day, um, not just the food, but every single other issue in my life. Um, and I love this business of that's was, that was as far as I had gone. That means that um, by reaching my bottom, I have to reconsider or die. That's what I heard. Reconsider or die. When I get to that powerless place where I am just spiritually, I can't do this anymore, I become open. All of a sudden, I'll have an open mind. I'll become willing. And when I become open, God reveals himself to me as I do the work. And it's amazing. It's not a one-time thing, step one to step two, three, and then the rest of the steps. Every time there's a challenge, I reach a bottom 
and my mind opens that little bit more, you know, where am I agnostic in my life? Where am I not letting God reveal himself? Where am I not allowing the power to flow? Um, And by having that terrible pain of step ones over and over again throughout this process, um, I become open, and as open as I am, God swooshes in with more and more power, Um, and it's limitless, and with that, I pass. Oh, thanks, Reva. Hey Beth, I can't I can't not smile when I hear your name because you share your name with my daughter. So there. Good morning, Beth. <laughs> uh, good morning, Larry. My name is Beth W. and I am a recovering compulsive overeater from Bismarck, North Dakota. Yes, it's a good name, and and not very common anymore. So, um, the sentence that well, there's so much in this paragraph as everybody has, uh, as others have already shared, that. Uh, just hit me um, pretty powerfully today. Um, I had always believed in a power greater than myself, uh, past tense. I had often pondered these things. And then at the end, I simply had to believe in a spirit of the universe who knew neither neither time nor limitation. Um, And then it goes on, but that was as far as I'd gone. I um, have always been a believer. Uh, What I what I struggled with, and, and it pops up regularly, it's a character defect of mine, is trusting. You know, I couldn't trust in the people around me, so why should I trust in, in a God that would love me and care for me in all situations? And what I love about this uh, paragraph is that uh, Bill reminds us, I simply had to believe. Um, and for me, I try to outthink everything, everybody, every, everything I read, and what's in there, what's not in there. Um, and this is a reminder to just be simple about it. Just keep it simple. Um, God is not complicated. God is love. Um, and that's what I uh, believe, and that's what I've learned. And um, if I can just keep it simple and um, trust that, that I am loved and that I can love, um, then, uh, then my day just uh, flows uh, pretty easily. And when I, when I buck up against all that, uh, then the one who's in turmoil is not God, it's me. Um, and then I, I create turmoil all around me. So uh, that's all I have, Larry. Thanks for uh, hosting today, and I had a really nice day. I'll pass. Oh, cool. Thanks, Beth. Beth, 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 Beth. <laughs> Next up, we have Nancy followed by Rick. Hey, Nancy, good morning. Nancy, oh, press star one. Oh, can there I you be are. Heard? Can I be heard? You now? can. Yep. Uh, thank you, Larry, for your service. Uh, I just loved uh, Anita. I love all the comments and the shares, but uh, Anita's sharing from this. I'd always believed in a power greater than myself. I had not. But if you asked me, I would have said, oh, yeah, I believe in God. But even my God, I didn't think was powerful enough to take care of take care of me and mine. I believed in myself. I believed I had to be the one who read enough, studied enough, found enough information, and I would be able to take care of everything. And I found out when, my, when I had a loved one 
who became alcoholic and I learned about the 12 steps and I would go in there and say I'm powerless over people places and things well I didn't I didn't act like I was because my response to a loved one who's suffering from addiction was to get myself a certification in addiction counseling and then I knew I would be able to to fix whatever was wrong in this family. That certification did nothing for my loved one, and it certainly did nothing for me. My loved one's now gone passed on, and I knew I had a food addiction. So I thought, okay, I know what to do. I will study again. So I went back to school, and I got my certification in nutrition and and fitness, and that was good certification. A lot of it, good information. It didn't help my food addiction. I still could not do anything about my food addiction. So I didn't believe in a power greater than myself. I believed in myself and my intellect and that I would be able to figure it out. And I haven't been able to figure it out until I hit bottom. I hit bottom and I was close to death. And I knew if I didn't turn this over to a God that was stronger than me, I wasn't going to make it. So I had to hit rock bottom to know there is a power greater than myself. And there's not another book that I can open that can fix this. There's not another certification that I can hold that I can fix this. But there is a power greater than myself. And this paragraph is just so powerful for me to read this and say, oh yeah, there's a power greater than myself. And I read in in the big book, there is a God and no human can take care of this addiction in my body and when I read there is a God may you find him now so today I can tell you I believe in a power greater than myself I thank you for all the service you do I thank you for being there for me and with that I pass thank you Nancy all right, Rick J. It's 80 degrees down in North Carolina. No excuses not to get on that motorcycle, my friend. Good morning, Rick. <laughs> Good morning, Larry. Good to hear you. Good to hear everyone this morning. Um, I'm uh, I'm Rick J. I am a uh, compulsive overeater from Cary, North Carolina, and I am recovered, but not cured, as my dear friend says. And um, I love this. I um, am so filled with with memories and, um, you know, going all the way back to my childhood. And I, I grew up in a very uh, strict Southern Baptist environment and, um, you know, where not we were a little bit on uh, my mom, especially a little bit on the fanatical side. And, um, you know, I I would basically um be filled with so much fear and and guilt, you know, relating with anything 
about God that it was hard for me to, you know, to let the flow of God's love envelop me um, because I was I was just terrified. This was God was something to be feared, and that's truly what I I felt uh, in the beginning, and I really. Um, felt that because I believed a little differently than my parents that I was probably going to hell, you know, because I didn't, I didn't buy into everything that I was, um, you know, I was surrounded by the ideas and what I heard in church, but I wasn't an atheist, you know, I, I love that. And I, I, I believed that the, the deepest part of me believed that there was some mighty purpose and rhythm underlying everything, you know, but I had no one to, to share those ideas with. Um, it was just something that I kept inside. And, um, and so I just left, you know, I left this, this whole idea of, of pursuing, you know, a relationship with God. And, and as I got further and further into, into my addictions, and as I got older, you know, they, the ideas never left, but my, my ability to, you know, to have a relationship with God was, was gone. And, um, you know, and after years of, of actually being in recovery in another program and, and getting this, you know, this idea of, of God, um, you know, real to me, it became clearer and clearer, but it wasn't until I was actually in OA and I was at a meeting and I, I met someone who, who actually um, sort of guided the way they, they lit a lantern for me. I, I truly felt like I was in the dark and this person lit a lantern and, and they were carrying the message. And I truly understood after so many years that all these ideas that I had, they were actually real but more importantly, there was a God that was real to me. This wasn't just like this idea of a God being there. I was connected to this. I was a part of that. All I had to do was to let go. And, um, you know, there was this, this neither time nor limitation, you know, that was a part of this love, this mighty purpose and rhythm. And I was truly a part of that. Recently, you know, I was out on... Uh, on my motorcycle riding and there's this bridge out here that's um, in a nearby town and it's it's been abandoned it was built back in the 1920s and and now it's just a pedestrian bridge this beautiful little country bridge out uh, going over the Eno River and and people have sort of put artsy uh, graffiti on it and I was walking out there and I was looking at the river going underneath and it's a beautiful day and um, and somebody had put this beautiful stencil on there um, I love you in a place where there is no space or time. And for me, that's God. And that's God. And I'm so glad that I have that, that I know truly that God loves me in a place where there is no space or time. And I can love others where there is no space and time in a very special place. Thanks, Larry. I pass. Uh, thanks, Rick. Okay, just to let you know, uh, before we take names here, we got uh, we read from page 10 in Bill's story, the third paragraph only. It reads, uh, it begins rather, I had always believed. So if you'd like to share, you haven't shared in the past couple of days, um, give me your first name and last initial if you would. Victoria Rahina A. 
Linda D. Jen A. Rachel K. Um, Victoria, Tina, Rachel, Linda, Jen. Who did I miss there? Cynthia D. Oh, sorry, Cynthia. All right, let's let's hold up with that if we could, okay, guys? And we'll we'll go with this list and see where we're at. Um, we have I heard Victoria, Tina, Rachel, Linda, Jen, and Cynthia. So my apologies if I didn't hear you. As I'm getting older here, boy, I'll tell you. Okay, Victoria, why don't you get us started? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Victoria L., and I'm from Muncie, Indiana. I am so happy I'm on the line this morning. Um, I believe that this is the crux of my issue in Overeaters Anonymous. There's a saying that, you know, courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And I believe the same thing goes for faith, that faith isn't necessarily the lack of belief. Faith is the lack of action. And it talks a lot in the big book about, you know, faith without works um, is dead. And when I came into another 12-step program and I recovered and I had the pink cloud and got years and years of recovery in that program, I felt that I had a really good belief in a higher power and a faith in God. Um, But the reality is at some level I was agnostic because I came into OA eight years ago and I've been struggling for eight years to get long-term abstinence. My last relapse, I relapsed because I was diagnosed with a brain tumor and my sponsor dropped me when I relapsed, and then I really got a resentment and thought there was no God. And, um, and you know, it turned out to be nothing. It's benign. It's like a ancillary finding of an MRI. But my faith was so weak that, you know, my mind was jumping to this is the end, so why not just go ahead and eat? And um, they say that everything that blocks us from God will be removed from us. And I can share that, you know, in my other program, I didn't really have things removed from me. But in the last eight years, as I relapsed in OA over and over again, um, the elevator definitely started going down. And, um, and the struggle that I have is it's easy for me to think of God as like the great outdoors and being connected when I'm walking out in nature or when I think of this ancillary picture of a higher power. Or I see God working in all your lives, and I'm like, yeah, there's a God. They work in all their lives. But the whole idea that Bill also struggled with that I've, I've talked, shared a lot with my new sponsor about is Bill had to find a God personal to him to recover. And, and that's where I struggle, and that's where my ego needs deflation because my ego tells me that there is no God that's personal to me. It, you know, I'm the terminally unique one. This program's going to work for everyone else but me. And um, and that's just simply not true. I just haven't worked the steps to the point that um, I've solidified that relationship with God. And, you know, step three is about just simply making a decision to do that. And I also really loved what someone shared that when we really feel that is in the 11th step. And right before I relapsed, and I'll wrap up with this, I was on a Sunday special edition and I asked the speaker, I said, I'm really struggling with step 11 right now. Can you just share like 
how you do step 11 on a consistent basis when you have a full life and you're tired all the time and you know you have to set that alarm clock early to get up every day to do your prayers and meditation she said honey you can't possibly be on step 11 you're not even on step one and I was so offended by that you know that really upset me but she was she was right and I realized shortly after that and now I'm I'm clawing my way back in and I have a couple weeks of abstinence and um, I just really appreciate being on the phone today. I realize that I have a long ways to go in developing a personal relationship with a higher power, but what gives me hope is that all we have to do is express even a willingness willingness to believe. Thank you. Thanks, Tina. Okay, next up is Rachel, followed by Linda. Rachel. Rachel, press star one. Okay, there we go. There we go. You are now unmuted. Hi, I'm Rachel uh, Kay, over here from California. Thanks, Larry, for calling on me. Yeah, um, the the thing that stuck out to me in this passage were the words, but that was as far as I got. Um, it always, um, I have to remember that step two isn't um, believed in a power greater than ourselves. I can believe in a power greater than myself. That's, that's fine. And I did, you know, before I, you know, worked the steps and got recovered. Um, because a lot of us believe in a power greater than ourselves before we put down the food. A lot of us don't. But it says believe, and, and, and that's why it's not even important if you don't. It just says, step two says, believe that not believed in, but that a power greater than myself or ourselves could restore us to sanity. Not that I do, I believe in God or a higher power, but do I believe I don't have to, it doesn't matter whether I do believe in this power or not, but do I believe that that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity? So if, if there happens to be one, whether there is or not, do I believe that if there happens to be one, it could restore me to sanity? And that's why this belief in the music of the spheres or whatever, for me, isn't, isn't enough. I have to believe not only that there's this massive power, which I do and which I did before I put down the food, but I have to believe that this, you know, great force of the universe, this, this loving, caring God, um, as, as someone said, would take time out of their day running the universe to help me. Um, and once I did that, and I have to say, and this is probably OA and, you know, anathema, I kind of think I did step three before I did step two. Um, I turned my will in my life. I kind of followed directions as they were laid out in the big book. I, I did the, the work. And how could I not believe that a power greater than myself was restoring me to sanity? Because I knew it wasn't me. Because I had tried for years and years and years and years and years to stop, you know, being face down in the food. Um, I had to. I had to. I knew it had to be God. I knew it had to be, you know, this power greater than myself because it damn sure wasn't me. Um, So I just, I like that. That was as far as I got. Because if that's as far as we get, that's, we're not getting anywhere at least I wasn't so um anyway thanks a lot um thanks for doing service on this meeting and I pass oh thanks Rachel Tina you know you're probably one of the most unforgettable people I've ever met and here it is I forgot you (laughs) so next up is Tina followed by Linda hey Tina 
Thanks so much, Larry. Tina S. Recovered compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Uh, I got your number, though. <laughs> you know, it's uh, I I continue to be amazed. You know, the longer I study the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, when I first read Bill's story, uh, I could have told you there's no way, no how that I can relate. You know, they told me to identify, and not compare, and I was like, well, there's no way I can relate. And and like I said, the longer I study the Big Book, the more I can relate. You know. And, and I, too, had always believed in a power greater than myself. And, I, and you know, such great shares this morning. You know, I, I believe there is, there's a difference in belief and trust, for sure. You know, and it says, despite contrary indications, I had little doubt that a mighty purpose and rhythm underlay all, which I did. You know, and, and it also tells me later on it, uh, that I could start right here. You know, I could start with just this belief, not that I had to have an understanding and not that I had to trust, but I could start right here. And so I encourage people that they are just coming in and just reading this stuff to stick around, you know, because in, in this also was shared, you know, later on, on page 45, you know, it, it tells us how to access this power, you know, how to access the power greater than ourselves, and, and, and that's the object of this book. It's exactly what what we're doing here, and you know, and that's the good news today. That is absolutely the good news, and and I and I can't you know um, stop sharing without just referencing the share from uh, the bridge. Let me just tell you, and and, I, and and this might be you know crosstalk, but Rick, that was just a wonderful share, and it moved me so much, you know, and that amazes me too. You know, I go, oh, dear God, you know, I'm getting a little emotional here, you know, because I had hit every feeling I ever had in food, booze, sex, drugs, whatever it was, you know, I used to cover up any kind of feeling and today you know I'm pretty clean and I can have these emotions that get me to a place of you know I'm in the right place doing the right thing at the right time and and with that I'll pass thanks uh, thanks Tina okay next up we got Linda followed by Jen Marie so hey Linda good morning good morning Larry hi everybody it's Linda D in Meriden Connecticut and I'm so really thrilled to be here I um hmm. I've been in program a really long time since the fall of 82 and um I was an atheist. I didn't want to be. I gave it lip service. I tried everything I thought. My family things, you know, the family traditions that brought me to church and all. I couldn't relate to any of it. But I tried. And as a, a young adult I tried different things, nothing connected. So fast forward to now. I know God is real. I don't have to guess. What did I do? What do I do every day? Because I've been recovered almost several years. When I wake up, I hear a lot of chatter in my head. Blah, blah, blah. Reactions to whatever happened yesterday and a lot of emotion, and if I'm really wise, I turn it off. I just refuse to participate in the conversation in my head. And I have a little tiny bell. I know this sounds corny, too bad, it works. I have a little tiny bell, and I ring it, and I surrender. The bell is there to remind me that this has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with my overblown, overtrained intellect. The program isn't irrational, but it's so much more than intellect. It's a personal relationship with the universe, capital U, 
and that universe is love. And the only way I knew that is because, and I do it often, I asked, well, I don't have to do it that much now, but originally this is what I did. I asked God, please, please show me that you're real beyond a shadow of a doubt. And I was told to look for coincidences. And that opened up my life. And of course, then I was guided to the program and all these things. Everyone's helped me and I've worked very hard. And what do you know? The last line that we read every day or is read every day, God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. What God discloses to me is God more and more and more using the protocol in the big book. And all of the, the, you know, all of you, I need a lot of help and I need to give a lot of help because it is about love and I won't trust that unless I do it. I don't want my hair on fire anymore. I'm here because I'm self-destructive with food and everything else if I'm left alone because terror has, you know, run my life. It doesn't anymore, but I have to cooperate. And I do by surrendering. And I'm so grateful to know that and to be able to shut up and ask, what do you want me to do next to God? And listen. Thanks. I pass. Oh, thanks, Linda. Okay, next up we have my sweetheart, followed by by Cynthia. Hey, Jen A. Good morning. Good. Good morning, Larry. This is Jen A. And I'm a recovered compulsive over eater in Colorado. Um, what an awesome freaking meeting. <laughs> um, the shares have just been amazing today, and I feel like my hair is not on fire, but my feet are on fire. <laughs> and if you know me, you know that when God wants me to speak, he makes my feet sweat, <laughs> which is probably um, more information than you need to know. But um, in this paragraph, I'm just, I'm so excited, right, because I remember um, I had this song that um, played in my head. It really audibly played in my ears when I would be out compulsively exercising. And it said, I got the power, right? And it was like this total high energy song. And then it would go into the next verse and it would just say, it's getting kind of hectic. It's getting kind of hectic. And it would just repeat over and over again. And, 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 I realized that that was my life, right? God was showing me through the music and the tunes that played in my head um, that my life was unmanageable, out of control. And you people said that lack of power was my dilemma. And I was like, no, 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 no. I got power, right? I personally have power. This selfish, self-centered, dishonest and fearful girl, I got power, right? And, um, you know, what I love in this uh, paragraph and what it talks about is, that um, this blind faith was going to have to happen in my life, right? I was going to have to have this blind faith, this unquestioning faith um, that God either is or he isn't. What's my choice to be? And the God that um, I look to and served um, in the church and in the Bible and in these buildings, um, he wasn't solving my problems, right? I was using him, but he wasn't solving my problems because I was still controlling and directing everything around me. I'm, I'm, I'm a page of 60 to 63. That's me. Um, every day I got to watch out. Right. Um, but the difference is, is that, um, when I got to this place 
And I said, I can't do this anymore. I can't control. I can't direct. I don't got it anymore. And I put my toes on the edge of the cliff. And what I saw was nothing down below. And all you people said was jump. Just see what happens. That was the blind faith for me. I didn't question it. I didn't do anything. Why? Because at that point, I was so desperate and so doomed that I figured if I jump from that cliff, whatever was under me was better than anything that I was chasing or what was chasing behind me that was going to get me again. And that was this disease. It was the food. It was the pills. It was the potions. And I just knew that there had to be something out there bigger than me. Well, today I do. I call it God, G-O-D, right? It resides in me, just like I hear it residing in so many other people on this line. And that blind faith, thank you, God, I didn't question it. I didn't ask. I just put my toes to the edge and said, I'm willing to believe that there's something out there that is bigger than me that is going to restore me to sanity. And I'm ready to see what happens. So thank you all for continuing to show up on the line and continuing to share your faith and what you've found. Um, and I pray that if you're out there and still suffering today, pick up the phone, call people, you know, have them share their experience, strength, and hope. Why? Because that's why we're here, um, is to just, you know, share what we've, what we've experienced, and then you get to go experience your own. Stick your, edge on the, stick your toes on the edge and see what happens. And so with that, I'll pass. Thanks, sweetie. Thanks, Jen. Okay, we saved the best for last. You know that, Cynthia. So you, you, <laughs> you wrap us up in a couple minutes here. Good morning. Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service. Um, yeah, the God as I understand him, I've run into a stumbling block. I'm still struggling. I started OA um, in May this year, and I'm still jumping back to uh, the stumbling block that I have. Um, I get out of sync with the program because how do I understand God? Um, in step three, it says, you make a decision to turn our lives over and to do the work to the care of the God. But my question to myself is, do I have trust in God enough to do that? And it occurred to me that my concept of God was not complete and that I personally need to write out an ideal of what I think God is. And my question to myself is, am I a believer or an agnostic? And I thought that I was a believer, but I've been acting as an agnostic. And what I need to do is realize that, of course, I don't want to surrender to a vague idea for me. Um, my question, I guess, is God only as powerful as you surrender him to be in your life? And is he only as powerful as you let him be? I have to reiterate what someone said earlier, that um, I, I've believed in myself and my intellect and that I can figure everything out, but nothing greater than that. And that's pretty much been me. I've been literally riding on the tail feathers of God, but not yet in the hollow of his hand. Because I have to formulate an idea and know God even more than just something out of my imagination because he's not in my imagination. He's in my heart, my mind, and my spirit. All my life, I've had telltale signs of how God is actually saying, I'm here, I'm here. Um, much like Dr. Seuss's little, like Horton Hears a Who, 
It's been in the back of my brain <clears throat> all my life. But I'm recognizing and opening up to God in all areas of my life, which can be scary because honesty, you know, step one. And I'm trying to get the idea of a God that is personal to me. And, you know, that's hope, step two. And then turning it all over in faith. Step three is where I've had problems, but, excuse me, I'm now opening up to the idea of God as being more than anything that I could ever understand, more than anything that I could imagine or come up with. And I guess that will be God as I understand him. And uh, as I open up to that idea, it will be less and less of a stumbling block to me. Um, This whole thing with OA has been an incredible spiritual journey so far, and I've been enjoying it. And I've been enjoying everything that everyone's been saying. And I have, from time to time, reached recovery, reached um, food neutrality. But more than that, my life is evening out. I'm treating people better. I'm feeling better about myself. And as I make way for God to do what he's going to do in my life, I'm happier. And with that, I pass. Uh, Thanks for wrapping us there, Cynthia, in such a beautiful way. Uh, Much appreciated. And thank you to everyone who has shared and joined us this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study that's going to immediately follow closing. The uh, share ID for today's meeting is 15,505. That's 15505. So we're now going to close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Cindy C., will you do that for us? Press star one, Cindy. Hi, this is Cindy C., Pleasant Valley, New York. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.